So tonight, um, we're kind of wrapping up our series on uh, overcoming Satan's traps. Uh, as we have been emphasizing the fact that we are moving into our promised land and it's getting closer and closer. I mean, we're right at the Jordan right now, getting ready to cross over. And it'll just be weeks before we move into our new building. So uh, we are in preparation. And we know one thing about our enemy, and that is that he does not like us to progress. And just like there were giants in the promised land, when the children of Israel moved into the promised land, there were giants, and they had to learn how to fight. And, he, and they had strategies. But God was faithful to bring them through victorious every time as long as they were obedient to him and followed his direction. But uh, we do know that one of the main traps that the enemy has in his arsenal is offense. And I'm not going to get a show of hands here tonight, but uh, if there's anybody here in this place that has never been offended and never had the opportunity to get offended, then I will have you stand up and come up here and preach this message. <laughs> because I'm sure every single one of us has had an opportunity. Uh, just because the offense has come, and Jesus did say in Luke 17, 1, he said offenses are going to come. They surely will come. It's not going to be a surprise when they come. And the way he said it in the King James is a little, you know, it, it, it's a little bit backwards to me. But he said unto the disciples, it is impossible that offenses will come. But it is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Um. So in the Amplified, it says it this way. Jesus said to his disciples, temptations. He uses the word temptation uh, in the Amplified. They use the word temptations instead of offense. And then it spreads out, amplifies, as it is supposed to do, the meaning of that word, which is snares, traps, set to entice to do what? Sin. I just want to remind you, offense is if you get offended, I should say. If you get offended, it is sin. You can write that down. Now, offenses, he said, it's, it's sure. They're sure to come. They are sure to come. Don't be surprised when offenses come. Now, the neat part about it is just because offenses come doesn't mean that you have to be offended. And so that's why we've been having, we've been sharing in this series because uh, we want to warn you offenses are going to come, but you don't have to get offended. Offenses are going to come, but you don't have to get offended. Now, Jesus said in Matthew, the 24th chapter, uh, verse 10, he said, uh, he's talking about the last day, the last days. He's, he's giving us a, a discourse. 
about the last days. How many of you think that we might be in the last days? Well, then if that's true, then this will relate to us. And then many will be what? Offended and repelled. And will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. And will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. Leave that up there for just a minute. So one of the, uh, the characteristics of the end times is there's going to be a lot of offense around. And we, we can see it on every hand. And it will cause there to be, actually that word many, then many is really the majority. It means the majority will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. So we would assume that that means uh, God. Offense does, when you get offended, one of the characteristics of being offended, you begin to be repelled and draw back from God. And you're not intimate with him anymore. And then the next step is falling away and then betraying one another. These are steps into darkness, basically. Stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another. It winds up with hatred. And then in verse 12, the end result of that is then the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multi multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. Can you put 13 up there? I didn't have that on there, the list, I don't think. But he who endures to the end will be saved. There is another verse that I was wanting to look at. Um, let me just find that in. I didn't put this down. Uh, verse 11. Uh, we kind of jumped over verse 11. But many false prophets will arise up and deceive and lead many into error. So... There is a progression, and we know that one of the signs of the end time is great deception. There's going to be great deception. But it doesn't just happen overnight. And that's what's going on right now in the world. But the devil's trying to do that in the church as well because he wants the church to get in error and to be deceived. But we have the good news that if you endure all of this to the end... You're going to be saved, and the good news of the kingdom, the gospel, this is verse 14, will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then will the end come, or then will come the end. So uh, don't be surprised that there's so many opportunities today to get offended. The sad part is when we get offended with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And that had not ought to be. So uh, what I want to share tonight and to kind of wrap this up because we've been talking about don't get offended, uh, watch out for offense, uh, all of these things. But now the question is, what do we do when we have gotten offended? 
because I, I imagine some of us here have toyed around with offense and have gotten offended. Now, once again, is there anybody here that has never gotten offended? Okay, I'm in the right group. So, uh, we've all gotten offended, but we don't want to stay offended. So, what I want to share with you tonight is what do we do when we get offended? How do we get out of offense? And is it serious or is, how important is it for us to get out of offense when we get in it? When we get offended, how important is it? What are some of the reasons why we should not toy around with offense and keep it in our life. So I want to start with um, reasons to forgive. I was just, um, I was reading a, an account of a man that, um, he, this was a man that was in the minister uh, in the Philippines, but he had for years had resisted the call of God on his life. And um, he was in business, and he was doing very good in business. So he didn't want to go into the ministry. But one day, he was rushed to the hospital uh, because he had heart failure. And there on the operating table, he died. And when he died, he found himself standing before the, the gates of heaven. And Jesus met him there. And he began to reprimand him for uh, not being obedient. And uh, the man said, um, if you'll just extend my life, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And Jesus agreed that he could go back and spend, uh, be obedient and spend out the rest of his life. So, uh, but before he went back, Jesus granted him a vision of hell. And when he looked into hell... He saw his mother-in-law in hell burning in flames. And he said to Jesus, but Jesus, she said the sinner's prayer. She said she was a Christian and she went to church. Why is she in hell? And Jesus said to her, to him, she had refused to forgive a relative and therefore could not be forgiven. I have read different accounts of that. Uh, people experiencing hell because of unforgiveness. And I kind of let it go over my head because I just thought, I don't know if that's scriptural or not. But then if you look at um, different uh, accounts in the Bible, uh, say uh, Luke 6.37... Judge not, neither pronouncing judgment nor subjecting to censure, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and pronounce guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment. Let it drop, and you will be acquitted and forgiven and released. Now look at uh, Matthew 6. Verse, uh, let's just look at verse 14. Listen to this. 
For if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and give up resentment, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But verse 15 says, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, giving up resentment, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, I would read those verses like that, and there's more of them in the Bible where it says, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. And I would think to myself, I wonder what that means. And uh, I would try to reason it away. But the evidence is piling up that Jesus actually meant what he said. He he's probably meant this. If you don't forgive, you're going to be you're not going to be forgiven. I mean, I suspect that might be what he meant. And we kind of see an account of that in Matthew the 18th chapter and I want to look at Matthew 18. This is kind of a classic uh, portion of scripture that Jesus used to talk about forgiveness. Because just to let you know, the only way that you can get out of, out from under offense is to forgive. So this message is a message on forgiveness. So here's, uh, Peter comes up in verse 21, um, and he just says, how many times do I have to forgive my brother if he sins against me? How about seven? Seven sounds like a good number. I think I could do seven. And Jesus said, uh, no. How about 70 times seven? So if Peter was good at math, he would know that Jesus was saying, no, 490 times. Now, when I was a young girl, I, I don't know where I'd maybe heard a sermon on that or something, but I was thinking of all the times I asked the Lord to forgive me, and I thought, I wonder how many times I've asked him. I knew that the cutoff was 490, and I wanted to be sure that I didn't exceed 490. But... Uh, Jesus basically was saying, live in forgiveness. Even if it's 490 times in one day. That's living with someone that you are constantly tempted to sin by getting offended. And so, uh, so Jesus gave this parable of a human king, it says, who wished to settle his accounts and he brought one to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I've heard a lot of different numbers put to this. The most recent one that I have, I have found based on today's values is four, $4.5 billion. An unimaginable sum that he owed this man, his boss. And so he couldn't pay, verse 25. And his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and his children and everything that he possessed 
and payment to be made. So the man fell on his knees and he begged him and he said, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. I don't think so. But, you know, he, he, he was a little deceived that he was going to be able to pay it. But he, actually, I'm sure in his heart he knew that would never happen. So look at t- verse 27. The master's heart was moved with compassion. And he released him and forgave him, canceling the debt. Now, so here we see some components of forgiveness. One component is it takes a heart of compassion to forgive. If you're hard-hearted, you're going to have a lot of trouble forgiving. If you're a critical person, if you're full of rejection, uh, full of, if your heart's full of something besides compassion, it's going to be really hard to forgive. And then he said he released him and forgave him. So releasing an individual and counseling the debt is really what forgiveness is all about. Because when an offense occurs, a debt is owed. So if somebody offends you, the normal human reaction is he's going to pay. He owes me something now. Because he hurt me or she hurt me, they're going to pay. And so they owe you a debt, at least in your eyes. And you will consider that you, it's their problem because they owe you the debt. And so there's not anything you can do about it. But this, this master did what we have to do in forgiveness, and that is cancel the debt and release them. So we're saying to that person that hurt them or hurt, hurt you, you don't owe me anything. I release you from your obligation to pay me back what you owe me. If you hurt, because that's not the normal way that we process offense in the natural. And so here goes this guy that has been forgiven. Hallelujah. I mean, he has that dead off of his shoulder. He is free. Free indeed. And then he runs into this guy. And according to the figures that I looked at, this guy owed him $4,000 compared to... 4.5 4.5 billion that he was forgiven of. So he goes up to this man, says he grabbed him by the throat, said, Pay me what you owe me. And the man did exactly the same thing that this first man did. He fell down before him and said, Have mercy on me, give me time, be patient, I will pay you everything. And he said, Nope. I am not going to give you any more time. And he had him thrown in prison. So that's a classic example of how every time that we sinned from the time that we knew anything about sin till the present day, 
We have offended our Father God. Offended Him. And we owe Him a debt. You've heard, heard the, or sang, a, we used to sing a song, um, I owed a debt that I could not pay. He pay, paid a debt that he did not owe. And so that's what happened to us. That's what happened to the man here in this, in this parable. His debt was paid, wiped out. And then his fellow man, he refused to grant him the same mercy because evidently he didn't have a heart of compassion. And so he, uh, he had him thrown into prison. Then the master heard about it. Now let me tell you, God knows what's going on in our lives. He knows we're not going to be hiding it from him. And so the master called this, this servant, called him wicked and contemptible. Verse 32. He says, I forgave and canceled all that great debt of yours because you begged me. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? And so the results, the first result is he turned him over to the tormentors. And secondly, he said, all right, since you won't forgive that person, then you're going to have to pay all of your debt that you owed me. I had forgiven it, but now you have planted this seed over here, and now you're going to have to pay your debt. And guess what? He couldn't do it. So, uh, I, I just jotted down, uh, God won't forgive you if, you if you don't forgive others. Now, that's number one reason why we should forgive. Because I don't want to be tormented. I don't know if it's, you know, according to this account that we, we read about um, this mother-in-law, the tormentors was in hell. But people that don't forgive are tormented here on earth as well. I'm not building any doctrine here. I'm just telling you what the Bible says and what that account said. You can make your own opinion about it, but it looks to me like it's serious in the eyes of God. So that's a real big reason to forgive. Um, one thing that goes along with unforgiveness is I kind of mentioned that he did it to me. I'm going to do it back to him. He did it to me. I'm going to do it back to him. I want to talk about just a second about before we go into these other reasons about uh, the element of revenge. If you don't forgive, there's always this sense I've got to get back at them somehow or other. I mean, we may all have our ways. It may not always be obvious that we're getting revenge. But, you know, uh, I know my favorite way was I just uh, would uh, not talk to him. Just kind of, you call it saw up or, or 
Oh. Yeah. You know, if they say something to me, I don't know. I don't care. Whatever you think. Uh, that was my way of getting revenge. Uh, it's like do unto others just exactly the way they did to you. Uh, that isn't God's plan, incidentally. In Romans 12, it says, verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know, we are responsible for our own attitude. We can't say somebody else made me do this. If they would just act different, I would act different. That does not go over well scripturally. As much as was within you, you are responsible for your own decisions in this area. You can be offended or you can choose not to get offended. I just want to throw that in. Verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, when we, uh, we didn't look at this scripture, leave that up there a minute. Uh, we didn't look at this scripture, but where it talks about offense in Luke, the 17th chapter, the very next verse said, But woe unto them who is the offender. You know, you're going to have a chance to be offended, but woe to him who offends you. Well, that tells me God knows that, that side of it too. He's not just looking for your response. He has uh, his eye on the offender as well, and you can believe that God is the one that is going to avenge you. So you think, okay, good deal. I mean, next time we have a thunderstorm, strike them with lightning. That would just, oh, I would love that. Or whatever, you know, your favorite way of avenging me, fine, God, just do it. But that word avenge and make way for God's wrath means God's hand extended into this situation to bring justice. I mean, that doesn't sound like a lightning strike, actually. God is interested in justice. Now, you may not get it from that person, but you'll get it. Because what you sow, you are going to reap. And so what we're talking here is about we're talking here about the harvest of action. Because the very next verse says, But if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be overcome by evil, but overcome master evil with good. So, he's saying in, this, in these scriptures that when somebody sows a bad seed in your life they offend you they do something that is wrong to you let God take care of it and don't plant the same seed back in their life 
that they planted in yours because they're going to get their harvest. Do you want to get the same harvest they're going to get? If you sow the same seed they sow, then you're going to get the same reward. You're going to get the same harvest. But if you don't plant the same seed they planted, but you plant something totally different, and we're talking here about blessing your enemy, doing good to them, what's happening? You're planting some seed for a blessing harvest. Which would you rather have? It's better to receive the blessing and overcome the evil that's trying to happen in your life. And don't get in that trap. You know, when we started this series, I talked about the, the bait of the trap. The, the devil wants you in that trap. What is he after? Stealing, killing, and to destroy you. So that's number one. Number two uh, is to uh, reframe hurtful injury in your life. So there are people that were uh, very mistreated when they were children. Uh, there are some that were rejected. Uh, there are some that carry wounds into their life. Or they've been betrayed even as an adult. And, and so there's, there's wounds in people's lives. Uh, I want to read out of my book that, an account that I had written in here about forgiveness. This is by a clinical professor of social work. Um, she says this, Forgiveness is a powerful tool. Whether you have been abused by a parent, dumped by a spouse, abandoned by a child, or betrayed by a friend, forgiveness is a process that allows you to reframe, reframe even the most hurtful injury, reframe how you regard the person that hurts you. Ditch the anger and hatred that seals you in a negative force field and allows you to move on. It's one of the few means you have to free yourself of the past. There are, you know, Paul says, forget the past. You got to get rid of that past. You can. There just aren't that many profound psychological processes that will give you the opportunity to do what? Start again. You can change where you live. You can change jobs. But to change yourself, to transform your damaged psyche and soul after the devastation of betrayal, injury, or the abandonment of an intimate connection and start over with a different view of life, this is one of the few avenues available. Forgiveness. I mean, even psychologists say that is the only way that you can get healed from your past. So number two would be to get healed from your past. Forgiveness is a way to reframe the way you even, even process life. Because people that are offended or hurt from childhood or even early adulthood or, or yesterday for that matter uh, there's anger there's all kinds of of emotions evol involved and the only way that you can reframe your life and look at things differently is to forgive and then uh, 
Number three is to keep from being bitter. Hebrews 12, 15 talks about bitterness. Uh, this is familiar, I'm sure, to, to all of you. Um, exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another to see that no one falls back from and falls, fails to secure God's grace. I'm going to stop there just a second. Remind you about God's grace. Now, it has here unmerited favor and spiritual blessing, but that's not all of God's grace. God's grace is his ability to do in you what you can't do for yourself. So you, to secure God's grace, his ability to do in you, don't fail to secure that grace. In order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and the many becomes contaminated and defiled by it. Now leave that up just a second. The very first person that's going to be troubled and have bitter torment is you if you're bitter. And then after that, those that you're in relationship with is going to become contaminated and defiled by it. That's scriptural. Um, I want to look at uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Running out of time here. Um, so, verse 30, uh, is that 31? Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath, so I want you to just notice these words. If you have any of these in your life at any time, they spring out of bitterness. Let all bitterness, indignation, and wrath, passion, rage, bad temper, resentment, anger, animosity, quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language. All of those are a picture of bitterness. And Paul is saying, let all that stuff be banished from you with all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Now, if we had more time, we would look into every one of those and get a picture of what that looks like. But you've seen people like that. But the very next verse says this, but instead, become useful, helpful, and kind to one another. Now this is a description of someone that has a heart to forgive. Tender-hearted, which means compassionate, understanding, and loving-hearted. Forgiving one another readily and freely as God in Christ forgave you. So he's asking you to forgive people exactly the way he forgives you. The way that he forgives you is the way you should forgive other people. So the question is, how do I forgive other people? Is that the way I want God to forgive me?
So to keep from being bitter, we must forgive. Bitter, I have a whole message on bitterness, but I'm not going to give it tonight. Bitterness repels people. It's like a skunk. It repels people. So I had asked the Lord many years ago, because I had trouble forgiving. How do I forgive? How can you forgive somebody that really did hurt you? How do you forgive? And I'm just going to quickly um, look at Ephesians uh, fourth chapter, verse two. So living as becomes you, with complete lowliness of mind, humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness, mildness, with patience, bearing with one another, because there's nobody perfect. We've got people that are immature. We've got people that are uh, insecure, inconsistent, uh, all kinds of imperfect people out there. So you've got to bear with one another. And then you do this. Make allowances because you love one another. How do you make allowances? Well, how do you make allowances for someone that's in a wheelchair? You do things for them and you don't even think about it. That a normal people could do for themselves. But you make allowances because you know there's something going on in that person's life that causes them to be crippled. People that are wounded are people that wound other people. And I, I have to throw in this vision that I had about this dog. Most of you have heard it, but some of you might not. But when God began to show me how to forgive, he gave me a vision of going to the front door of the church with a dog standing there with his, his fangs bared, saliva dripping, and he was growling, and he was, I mean, he was the very epitome of evil. And my first thought would be, somebody get a gun and shoot this dog. He's dangerous. Then, if I look, took a second look and saw that his hind leg was severed, practically was just hanging by, a th by the skin and blood was just squirting out, suddenly my, my focus would change from his behavior to his need. And now I would want to call a vet. And God said, that's the way you make allowances. You quit focusing on the behavior of the person. You focus on the need of that person. And so um, uh, I had quite a bit more. Uh, we've got to refuse to let it come into your thought life. You know, we play, our, play that poor me video over and over and over and over. And every time we do that, we have to forgive again because your thought life produces your emotions. What you think and what you say will produce your emotions. And you can produce emotions at any time that you want to. I found that out over this last year and a half. I can, I can spend an evening crying if I wanted to. I could, because you can, you can, your thought life, you can allow your thought life to dict dictate what your emotions are going to be. So, uh, throw away the videos. 
Don't allow offenses to come back into your thinking. Don't talk about them all the time. Forgive. Uh, put up Mark 11, uh, 25, please. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. This is what you have to do. Let it drop. Leave it. Let it go. In order that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you. Drop it, leave it, and let it go. That he will forgive your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. Drop it. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I forgave them, and then they stand there for the next 10, 15 minutes telling you everything bad that they did. And I thought, well, you're going to have to do it all over again. <laughs> because we haven't dropped it, left it, and let it go. So I want to uh, end with 1 Peter. Just kind of giving you the highlights. We could do several more sermons on this because this is a big, 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 big subject. We got to learn this, how to forgive, how wonderful it is to live a life of freedom. And when somebody brings offense to you, you can just let it run off of you like water off a duck's back. Never return evil for evil or insult for insult, scolding, tongue lashing, berating, but on the contrary, blessing, praying for their welfare, happiness, and protection, truly pitying and loving them, for knowing that to this you have been called, that you may yourself inherit a blessing from God, that you may obtain a blessing as an heir, bringing welfare, happiness, and protection to you. Now, do you want happiness do you want blessing? Do you want welfare? Do you want protection? Then if you're going to get over a, an offense and begin to really, really have compassion for that one that offended you or tried to, then pray for them. Don't just pray, oh, Lord, bless them. Pray for them like you would pray for yourself. And mean it. After a while, if you keep doing that, pretty soon there's going to be some love that's going to be stirred up in your heart and you're going to find that you love your enemies. You pray for those who despitefully use you, etc. So I want to end with uh, a word the Lord gave me. It's not what others do to you that matters in your life. It's what you do with what they've done that determines peace or strife. You always have a choice to make when facing every test. So child, when you choose my way, you've chosen to be blessed. So it's worth it to forgive you know, you put, you punch the devil in his eye. You unbait his trap. And you just keep pressing on and being an influence and a light in the world when you refuse to be offended. And I can tell you, 
If you can be offended, you will be offended. But there's a place you can get where you can't be offended. And the Bible says they that love God's word cannot be offended. So I've been teaching on the fear of God. When we truly get in that intimate place with God, where we have a relationship with God, it's easier to act like God. And so therefore, when you have an opportunity to get offended, you don't. If you happen to fall into it, you forgive. And you just go on. And keep free. So stand with me. I assume everyone here is totally free and have no offense in your life. Just in case there was one little drop that you saw, then this is a real good opportunity to just say, I forgive. If someone pops up in your mind that just is really hard to get along with, then I can tell you that's a 490 times to forgive them on a daily basis. We call those E-R-G. No, E-G-R. Extra grace required. <laughs> and so we all probably have those E-G-R people in our lives. So be careful. Keep up your guard. Because they have the possibility to tempt you to sin through offense. So I just want to encourage you to really press in on this. God's love on the inside of you needs to grow more and more and more every day. Come to full outward manifestation so that you can forgive like God forgives. It's only through his grace and his love that we can forgive. So, Father, as, as we end this teaching tonight, we're so thankful for your grace to help us to forgive. Your promise to give us that grace to eradicate bitterness out of our life and to let the sweetness of the Holy Spirit and the sweetness of your love be what oozes out of our life. We know when that happens, there are less opportunities and less open doors for the devil to come into our lives to mess us up. So, Father, if there's anyone here tonight or anyone watching online that you have discovered, yeah, there's some offense in my life, then give that grace, Lord, right now for your people to forgive. And be quick to forgive. That's important. And not harbor it in our life at all. So Father, we thank you for your, uh, your compassion towards us. Give us that heart of compassion. That we can do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And forgive us, Lord, when we have been slow to forgive. Cleanse us this night of any hard feelings, any resentment, any bitterness, anything that would interfere with our relationship with you.
And we give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.